0: From Central Source and the Fifth Element Podcast Network, this is In Search of Source, a celebration of the writers who are saving music journalism from death by clickbait. I'm your host, Ryan Gore, the writer at This Here Parish Central Source, as well as for Football Paradise. Uh, joining me on this episode, we have fellow Central Source writer, mainly in the Why We Like It section, and uh, comic writer for The Revolt, Tyler Jones. What's up?
1: Hello, hello. It's nice to be able to hear you guys. <laughs> yes. <the>
0: bye-bye. <laughs> That's a reference to things that listeners will never know about. Also joining me... <laughs> Is a very, 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 very special man. The reason this podcast is even possible. The what I called him before, the Godfather <laughs> of In Searcher Source,
2: Charlie Taylor. How you doing? I was going to put, I was going to put on the Godfather voice, but I prefer not to. <laughs> I'm not going to give it a echo. What's up? Tyler's Wi-Fi is up, and that's all that matters. Let's get it. Thank
0: God. <laughs> Let's get it, indeed. That's so funny. I saw, Ty- I saw Charlie's face kind of like twist to do the, to do the the, the Godfather, the, the uh, <laughs> yeah. soprano voice. It's gonna, but... it's gonna
2: it's gonna push out the lip a bit, you know what I mean. <laughs> just... <clears throat> but you know, no, that's, uh, never happened. happened. Maybe always maybe aura. maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> if you look at this,
0: and this, if you listen right to the end, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a packed show today as always. Uh, so we have articles about streaming about. Khan, what it means to be an underground rapper, and finally about Adele. So, without much ado,
2: Tyler, not Tyler, Charlie, why don't you jump into your piece? Hello, it's me. Oh, wait, wrong one. Alright, so we are beginning with uh, streaming. Odds are against you. This problem with the streaming music streaming boom. It's is by Mark Sweeney via The Guardian. Um, so yeah, this is pretty much a a kind of just a straight up reporting uh, article as it is in terms of like structurally, as so as I know some of our fellow hosts love to do and talk about how you know how they how they write. It's 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 reporting. So um, but I just find I I always find these kind of uh, things uh, you know fascinating. It's uh, you know pretty much the simple. Uh, journalistic uh, uh, angle to go for. You see a report, you report on that report, you get some quotes. Simple as that, can't complain, bish bash bosh. Right, so this is basically talking about um, where streaming is at at the moment. Obviously it's been going on for a good, let's just say, you know, decade plus, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's relatively a solid place right now. Um, the point of this article uh, overall is that uh, the three big, uh, the big the big boys, the three major labels, uh, Universal, Sony, and Warner, um, are basically you know raking in the cash and uh, good for them, right? Yay, Cla- clap it up, guys. Okay, no. Okay. Um, so basically, there's a few reports that come through on this one, um, talking obviously on the back of uh, Universal recently being uh, getting that forty-five billion euro valuation. Uh, Warner Music's now at 22 billion after being copped uh, for 3.3 in 2011. So obviously that's a big jump. Um, but the International Intellectual Property Office um, published a report last week, um, including stats such as uh, uh, the top 1% of artists account for 80% of all streams, and the 10% account for 98% of all listening by fans. And that's a, that's a something I think that needs to be. That that needs to like settle in in terms of just um, how absurd that n- those numbers are. I guess <laughs> so. The ten percent of every artist, you know, that's dropping or whatever, they get in ninety eight percent of all listening of all listening around the world. That's just I uh, I don't know. That's just um. How do you how do you even break into that ten percent logically? You know what I mean? And is it a point where you know you may maybe you don't have to be in that ten percent? Uh, to actually be, to actually, you know, be a decent uh, point in life. I'm not sure, right? That's up to the, that's up to whatever artist you're talking about. Um, but then again, when you get, when you go further down into the article, um, it brings up more of a UK centric uh, way of looking. Um, so another, the, another part of the IPO report uh, found in UK, uh, just under half of musicians, uh, forty-seven percent specifically, earn less than ten k while sixty two uh, percent earn less than twenty k um and uh yeah if you if you if you mean i mean if you're earning you know less than twenty k i mean uh you know it's just, it's y- you can get you can get to a point where you know it gets a bit it gets a bit of a struggle um, you know just uh, money wise but um but, you know nev- with em- with everything going on at the moment it's just yes it just it just upgrades itself and uh, compounds but um one more point I want to give before I uh, give the floor to you, uh, or one more, I just, um, I don't know, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, statistic, I guess. Um, is basically another report saying uh, 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 saying 68% of musicians surveyed by the IPO said overall their income had either stayed the same or increased since 2015 and that life at a big label paid better, an av- better at an average of 51.8K a year Notwithstanding the fact that I spend years paying off advances, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, producing, marketing, distributing, um, it's funny how that all comes out of them and not the label itself. <laughs> um, but I see here, nor there. Um, but yeah, it's it's just um, it's just a, it's just fascinating thinking about it now that um, we have obviously we've talked about streaming and where artists stand um, before on this show, uh, but now it's at a point where we can have a genuine just a uh, look at you know where you where you, if you're an artist you know where you stand basically um very solidly uh you know with actual first hand research being carried out um you know it's uh, look, another one here a uh, various royalties that can leave a musician with as little as uh, uh 1500 a month like <laughs> it's it's not sustainable um living wise so uh yeah, uh, there was there was another point that I wanted to I guess uh, throw in where it was like a, I think there's a government committee um, saying that they want to do a complete reset of uh, how royalties in uh, in terms of uh, uh, streaming uh, streaming payouts uh, are are done, um, and I guess uh, an easy question that will probably be very extremely hard to answer but I'll ask for the re- rec- uh, for regardless to you guys as to as I give it to the floor is uh, What does a complete reset even look like? And is it easy, is it even remotely possible for that to happen?
0: Yeah, so I think we know a complete reset kind of looks like the artist being able to reap the benefits of what they made, right? Set their price, set their price, and actually maintain the money. You know, like, had the line share of what they made, basically. There's another statistic, like a graphic in the piece, breaking down uh, where your nine ninety nine Apple Music, Spotify um, <clears throat> payment goes to. And the artist is third in that list of that breakdown. It's label first, manager second, the person who made the thing people are trying to consume third. And that piece of the pie is so much smaller than... ...what the other two parties get. So that's what a reset looks like, theoretically. Um, and I think we can agree on that. But what we... ...can't really see right now is a roadmap ...to get to that reset. And I've said it before... Uh, ...it always takes people who are very cynical... ...to not be cynical. And that is just almost impossible to reverse... It has to, you have to get to a point where people don't see art, someone else's art as something for them to profit off. But in pretty much every creative industry, when you look at how artists, um, producers, engineers, people who work on movie sets, um, game developers, the way they're treated, all these creative industries, the way they're treated compared and Compared to that amount of money in those industries, they're just not seeing it, and they're the people who are hands-on working with it. And is if we reset the music industry, we're gonna have to reset every creative industry, and that's gonna be a huge upheaval. And in a lot of ways, the music industry is the is one of the worst offenders, you know, because at least in movies, there are some pe- pretty well-paid people <laughs> who are working on those movies still. But yeah. as you can see right now, look at the uh, look at what's going on in Hollywood. There's the I- IATSE strikes going on right now, for people who are just being run into the ground for like ten quid an hour to make the, to get these movies finished. And you know it's it's similar to the exploitation that artists go through. As you said, Charlie, they're killing themselves for their art, but they're also paying for it all, even when they're on a label you know yeah like the point of a label the the, the way the reason labels did exist is because they can boost artists and they have the resources to boost artists but they're sucking artists dry at the same time so what rare what, really is the place for for um for studios for for labels for major, major labels
2: yeah you mentioned um uh before i, before I uh, give tyler the floor um you know you mentioned obviously the uh the blow, uh, the quote below the line workers, uh, striking Hollywood. And it's funny you say that because obviously that's, uh, there's, there's a clear line of demarcation between, you know, the, uh, sound engineer and the top of the bill actor, right? There, there's a clear line of demarcation there, but obviously when you, what you were saying in terms of, uh, you know, who's actually in that recording process, it's not just the artist. I mean, it can't, can't, just be the artist for some people um but you know you like you said you have the engineers have producers songwriters we're not even we're not even talking about those guys that um also don't get the, the probably the necessary uh credits uh monetarily as well um we're just talking about the straight up name on the on the on the uh on the spotify page um and not just like the credits on the album itself so that's a that's a that's a level that i guess um is uh, different from, I guess, from a film or TV perspective compared to a music perspective. And that's just, a. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just extra jarring uh, to just thinking about uh, all the logistics of that as well.
1: So I, I, there's a few ways you, I could probably look at it and probably try to examine it. Um, Ryan, when you say there's not really a blueprint, I agree and disagree at the same time, only because... It's probably not it's probably not a big blueprint for the bigger avenues like a Spotify, Apple Music or even a title per se. But I would say let's imagine if um listen okay, these are all in hypotheticals. If let's let's imagine if like a band camp started a str- uh, actual streaming service, right? Okay. Where where mm-hmm. Bandcamp you, you can actually like um I'm sure you both are but for like, let's say listeners who may not be um artists can upload their upload their stuff there themselves. Um, people can donate or like really when they're paid for the album or pay whatever content they're getting, they can even donate and even be like, hey, I like your content so much. Here's more than the 10 to 95 um, or let's say that the 12, uh, the 12 quid for something. I can pay you 20, 30 if I really like your art that much. So if Bandcamp was to almost incorporate that into a streaming way, I don't know what that looks like. Because that's, once again, you're buying versus like just this regular streaming. But maybe with Bandcamp, they let's say have, as we were mentioning before in the article, there's a bigger royalty that goes to the people that are involved. Because we see it working for, once again, for smaller artists who have those dedicated fan bases to do that. But if people are like, you know what? Cool. I actually care about the team that goes into making the music that I love. Then maybe people could go to that. How successful it would be because they would probably have to charge more for said streaming service like even title was doing um and title let's and title once again only like i think only pays 80 67 to 87 cents per stream who knows what the breakdown would be the um for that for a band camp and and i think when i was doing because i at one point i was writing an article about <clears throat> excuse me about the differences between the streaming services and like where we would want to go and just seeing the breakdown for each uh streaming services and what they pay per stream is nuts like nuts F- um spotify being one of the touristy, the lowest youtube being surprisingly low like these are and all of them by the way are under a dollar per stream under a dollar um the highest one is because it still has because it's still being used by very rare circles. Was Napster, and who uses Napster? Maybe Charlie, maybe Charlie, because he's because he's so cool. But like hey. <laughs> outside of that, hey. I, I can't sell see down. It. <laughs> sell down. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like seeing these avenues and where they would have to. It's like you would have to incorporate the buying aspect for the almost like an indie grind way, and then putting together on a streaming service and and then seeing how many artists would put their things on a streaming service and you would probably need a a major name like a drake a taylor swift a not jay-z because we saw what happened with title but maybe just someone to invest in that what that looks like once again i don't know
0: yeah i think that framework can definitely exist i just wonder how Labels would kind of find another way to wriggle themselves in there and exploit it even again, you know? We've seen technology develop over the years and almost kill labels, but somehow they keep on putting up that facade back up, don't they? The major labels I'm talking about, like, mm-hmm. they keep on managing to survive somehow. They put up some kind of front to make it look like they're really helping. But what this article does really well. It kind of definitively tells you that they're not, <laughs> that they're, they are actively destroying the ecosystem of artistry that they profit off. And that's what I appreciate this article for, from Mark Sweeney, like, there's no other interpretation here. Like, we can discuss everything that he's said in the article and everything that he's presented, but we're all talking along the same lines because there is no other avenue to go down this article like this is a terrible terrible thing for music and yeah there's not much else to say about it um I and don't... i haven't said it explicitly yet well yeah go on oh, go no,
1: oh, oh i don't want to i don't want to cut you off um even though i just did i am so <laughs> sorry <laughs> but um i feel like it would have to be required it's an almost an ownership type deal like we'd have to gatekeep which i know there's like um, there's been conversations about what needs to be gate, um, gate kept, gate keeped, whatever, <laughs> um, but it's like it, it almost like so. Let's say like, whenever Spotify, we're gonna use Spotify because they're the biggest. Whenever they went uh, public, where like their IPO and like just people able to buy shares and everything of that nature, and and made it so these major labels could buy so much stock into it, so they're always getting their essentially a return on their investment no matter what. If a new streaming service or like one where like they had to like make it exclusive where it's by artists for artists tour support which is, which is what title was uh marketed as but we learned that wasn't the case and how that how that's even bought by jack from twitter it would have to be they would have to be like hey if if people are going to have shares in this company or or whatever this thing is it has to be exclusively for artists we have to gatekeep it in some which would, that would require a lot of legal binding which i don't even know was possible um, to basically protect, pro, yeah, essentially protect it from other entities, um, or an artist just creating their own individual streaming thing for their own music, which, once again, that sounds like a headache, so, mm oh, god, yes, yeah, has a headache.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's avenues, I guess, that I have taken, uh, to, um, be, um, you know, outside of that, you know, status quo, and outside of that ecosystem. Um, Because, you know, while it's a rotten ecosystem, it's an ecosystem nonetheless. And, um, you know, that parallels with, you know, the concept of uh, any, you know, societal system going on at at this point in both countries uh, that we hail from, for example, right? You know, the system, the systems... They're on systems, but are systems nonetheless. So, would we rather have no systems, Are we that archa- uh, 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 that an- anarchic? I don't know. Right? Question left to be answered. But there are, you know, um, examples out there that um, artists have gone the extreme route of just like I don't know. I'm gonna do strictly hard copies, or uh, the only way you can see this is uh, via a museum exhibition. Shout to Yassin Bey on that one time he did that, and you know how many people how many people peep that. Um, as a as another comparison that I recently had on what's good about this, so I went to see The Harder They Fall at the London Film Festival at, on a big screen, right? And that's going to be on Netflix next month. You guys will watch it you on your phones and laptops, and that's just that's just is what it is. I saw it in the cinema. That's not a flex. It just is what it is, right? So maybe it's that kind of uh, there's a there's a conversation in that where um, maybe maybe li- maybe the way we listen to music has to change in some way because I I, I I know you Brian well, doesn't but uh, I know uh, T and other guys uh, like me do you know just omnivore this and omnivore it you know what I mean just eat anything I listen to it, just I listen to albums of people I've never heard of pretty much every week right and it's right. fun. It's, it's great. It's it's absolutely amazing. That's the privilege of everything we have right now in terms of streaming. I've probably said that before, either here on I, or on DRTD as well. Um, it's, it's such a privilege, but there has to be a give here that the consumer has to do, and that's kind of like the last uh, trilogy in this uh, in this in this triangle here, where it's the consumer and where they're at. You know, most people just like just listen to the same artist. <coughs> Right, uh, you know, over and over again, <laughs> right? And that's that's fine. That's fine. That's that's <laughs> that's throwback. That's literally throwback. You know, people. Sa- there's there's plenty of cases where people back in the day saved up to cut up one album, and they listened to that album for the rest of the year. Okay, that's the ca- that was the case back in the day. Okay, but now it's it ha- there's an opportunity for more. Um, so maybe there needs to be a middle ground uh, on that front for the consumer especially where. You know, you're either paying more for certain people, you know, say like we, this is very just like, you know, put in a box kind of idea thinking, but, you know, let's just say we give ourselves like five artists and that's who we, that's who we listen to, like for, for like, for however long, right? And we just dedicate for that. So you pay, so instead of like, listen to whoever you want, you only listen to five artists. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a very loose solution I've just thought of. But like, you know, there's, so, there's something in that where like there's has to be, that's the extreme of the other side of it. But maybe there's a middle ground somewhere for the consumer where they can actually, and this isn't, and this is the last point I'll make, right? Cause I feel, cause I feel uh, we need to hop onto the next one. I kind of nearly got a good segue into Ryan's there. Um, is that um, <laughs> consumers don't give a shit, <laughs> About any of this. <laughs> like yes. most consumers don't give a shit right it yeah. is it is what it is like they ha- they realize they have more benefits you don't have to listen to the radio if you want to listen to more than 10 people um you can do what you can listen to your 10 people however you like and you can listen to more than that you can listen to 100 people if you want right it's up to you now right and that power is just like so easy to to just want to keep um, so yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, uh, like like Ryan said at, this, at the beginning of this point, it's kind of just like a, a willingness to be ethical, I guess, and to see that um, artists and more broadly art in general requires funding and requires uh, you know a healthy uh, a healthy giving, I guess, from from the people. What did you go- What do you What do you guys do when you get home? You're throwing on the TV or playing some games or popping on some music. You are not sitting there and just looking at the wall. You're reading a book. You're doing says something you. that requires.
1: <laughs> S- says you. Says <laughs> you. I'm tired. I'll be up. I was like, I'm like life, bro. You know, life.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Go- you You. You. might be going for a nap. You might be getting something to eat. All right. Sorry, Tyler. Sorry. Okay. All right. Past that. When you wake up, you're consuming some art, okay? Let's just say that. You're reading the book, you're listening to music, podcast, whatever, right? You're doing something of that nature. That shit requires funding, believe it or not. So, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, <laughs> so yeah. shout out to Mark Sweeney on that front, on the article <laughs> itself. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Can I make Burn one, everything one last down. point? Can I make one last point? Yeah, go for it, too, if you want. Go for uh, it, go for it.
1: Uh, so so. Let me see. I say so, so. If there was a streaming service that was, uh, I know, guaranteed would actually make sure that all my artists are getting at least paid at least four to five times more than what they would be doing right now, I pay for it because I'm one of the really yeah. really weird people that actually has Spotify Premium, YouTube um, YouTube Premium, uh, I Title, and Apple Music. That's I know I'm paying with for at least with all five of those. I think I just I think I named five or four. I'm paying at least forty Weird. to fifty dollars, 40, uh, forty, to fifty dollars a month, um, on all of those, just because I want to have my content, and I know I can listen. To, and also, some have more than others, right? And this is now. Here, now here's the thing: what I'm saying is gonna <laughs> well sound like a monopoly, but if there was just one, <laughs> if there was one that I know at least right. everyone's getting paid, yep. mm-hmm. and I know my artists are actually like taking taken care of. Then cool, I would pay for it, and I would pay fifty dollars for that.
2: Right. Well, connected to our conversation off wax yesterday, uh, Amazon get on the phone <laughs> It's all there for you guys, all there for the taking take over the world, go for it Yeah, We welcome our Amazonian overlords <laughs> uh,
0: Shout out to that Futurama episode of Amazonians Absolutely, absolutely yes. <laughs> episode. Anyway Death
2: <laughs> by snooze, Snoo snooze. <Snoo-snoo>. <laughs>
0: Cool. Vibes. Great great way to end that segment. Good luck segueing to your next bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's so much to say about this. I could have gone on for hours. So I'll just say it short and succinct. Dismantle capitalism. Let's move on. So, the piece that I brought comes from The New Yorker, and specifically from Sheldon Pierce, and it's called The Last Underground Rapper, and it's kind of a career retrospective on Carr, who recently released his, uh, a, a new album, and yeah, it was kind of an opportunity for Sheldon to look at Carr's career and kind of ruminate on what it means to be an underground rapper, at least what, that's what the piece got me doing, so the title kind of intrigued me right away because like, the definition of the word underground is really difficult to grasp yep. especially at this point like it means so much to so many different people I remember at one point at uni like someone was asking me like, what kind of hip-hop I like and I was like oh that like maybe underground stuff and he was like oh yeah like J.I.D. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, that just shows like it just means something completely different to different people you know and despite it, that meaning it almost means nothing I still think there's like value in the word and in the distinction it makes because it really does describe some artists really really well and like sheldon says himself in the piece uh, the term underground has grown meaningless in the internet age when the most obscure artists can connect directly with the audience but few other rappers still feel as deeply connected to the word as Carr does not simply as a musician operating outside the industry but one for whom keeping a low profile is inherent to the mission, and like he goes on to lay out his career trajectory, Carl's career trajectory, mentioning how he quit rap, quit rap in two thousand and three and had like carved out a career for himself as a firefighter. But he says, and a quote: uh, "He was on track to make captain, but something was missing. The raps never stopped pouring into his head." And it's kind of from this that I form my own kind of definition of underground, and it's kind of about your calling almost like for some people fame is like their calling that super mainstream level their their visibility is their calling but for others it's just the craft the work itself you know some people have both and it just happens like that and you know it doesn't apply to every single case and it's very difficult to measure someone's intention especially when you never met them you just listen to their music but for me when I say that I like underground music, it kind of separates what I, kind of, the philosophy of an artist that I like. It's the work above everything else, above the aesthetic, above the whatever extracurricular stuff artists have to do. For me, it's all about the work and the art. And, like, Pierce kind of does that great thing I always love that writers do is never giving you his particular answer of what that means, but just let letting you explore some avenues, you know go down this lane, go down this lane. Um, but yeah. So with that being said, I'll throw it to you guys. And like, what was your, uh, reaction to the piece? And did you kind of have your definition changed by this piece or did you have form one by this piece or did it not change at all?
1: It definitely changed mine. Um, it's funny, me and Mickey were having a conversation. Oh God, a few weeks ago about who is underground, who's mainstream and what even constitutes that. um, Because I was, I think, at the time, um, arguing that Tyler is Tyler the creator is mainstream, and he was like, he's more so underground still. Um, And then I read this, and this is underground. This is this is truly the definition of underground. And also, just I feel like I sounded like such a pretentious uh, prick when I said it. Um, But but I also want to like shout the writer and. And how was it, how was it able to like actually paint that landscape or uh, basically like, oh no, this is how Ka kind of like sees the world and how they got there uh, and to the current album, Amara's Reward, which by the way, awesome name, awesome name um, for an album. And I'm, I'm going to check it out because of it. Um, I also want to say some quotes that um, that he had because there was as something as sometimes as a writer, especially for the why we like it thing. And I'm trying to describe an artist and how they are. This quote right here is so beautiful because I was like, this is this is how you describe somebody's like style. Ka's voice is gruff, yet he raps discreetly as if recounting secrets under his breath. The verses themselves are almost like incantations muttered in code. It takes innate uh, intent listening to puzzle them out. His wordplay is its own sort of quicksand shiftly multi and crowded by entendre i was like yo that's dope man i was like if you don't like if you're gonna make somebody like listen <laughs> to somebody which some which sometimes these are the point of these pieces like here's an artist i'm introducing you to go listen to them that right there is something i'm like yeah yeah i'm gonna listen now so here's word choice and why i was able to like actually just like actually describe car and his rapping style was fantastic
2: yeah i feel like uh that needed uh, the front flex uh that's what you call motherfucking bars you know, uh, from the trivia episode yeah I'll, yeah no no not that um <laughs> <laughs> so uh Ryan, i'm disappointed honestly you didn't pick uh the repressive authoritarian self thomas tank engine which is a <laughs> uh, a ty- which is a, a, an amazing uh title f- uh, on the bottom of this uh piece <laughs> so new yorker that is just just oh so new yorker um anyway so yeah this is um yeah this is a uh, kind of fascinating I could go- echo you guys' sentiments uh I love the I-, I love me a uh you know obviously my other pod uh, d- uh ding did. She usually regularly do you know retrospectives on ice and we you know try and contextualize people's careers and you know a lot of the times our minds change on how we see somebody because most of the time it's based on you know what uh what the you know just what people think what most people think at that time or uh or or or, you know or retrospectively but uh when you just listen to their career listen to their music and what they're actually talking about it's way different but um you know, if this is different for me because um I've only listened to one Car album. That was Descendants of Kane last year, and uh, it, it, uh, Sheldon does make a mention of the album uh nearer to the end, which is good because uh, as uh, is, as is obviously I haven't I haven't listened to uh Marta's uh, uh uh reward quite yet, um, so it was good that he mentioned that because I remember listening to it, and it was a very fascinating listen just because of the uh, uh just because of the place I was in at that point because. I remember I was listening to something. I was listening to something else. I was just having like a long, you know, session of just like walking dog stash, listening to stuff uh, for the week, and uh, I had something on that was just like very, you know, not running the mill, but just like you know, very, uh, you know, general in terms of just like how it was done or whatever. You know, what I mean, d- didn't didn't uh, it didn't trip me up anywhere, and then came this like you know, drumless, dark, fucking. Uh, just, just super deep, like fucking uh, uh meditation on shit, and I'm just like, okay, why is why is the sun just goneed for me? Um, yeah, you know, it's just it, it was so yeah, it was so visceral of how that changes. Uh, so his, his quote here on that album: so production is mostly drumless, but the uh, innermost rhythms come from the rhymes themselves, and the mutable pulse of Carl Street hymns uh make him a singular chronicler. <laughs> Um, and I, yeah i just uh, overall uh, the article itself i feel like it's very poetically done um something that uh you know is really uh i i enjoy i enjoy reads like these where it's you know very succinct of um encapsulate someone's career very uh, very simply um but does also have that depth in depth in just general commentary of uh, of their music as well as just where they were uh, obviously talking about uh, his uh, Star in the group Natural Elements, and then half of the night Nightbreed, and um you know that that stuff's kind of fascinating. And uh, little quotes here and there of how you know his music kind of ref uh, kind of uh, was similar to a Black Moon or a Mob Deep. So you know you you can get things there, you can gather stuff there, um, and you know it's mention of Jezza as well, basically his comeback in some way. um you can you, you gain other names and uh, throughout and you're just like okay right so you know you, you can get you can gain that kind of level of understanding but I don't think uh, when when I read this and this is not a fault to the for the article itself it's just is what it is you know an article can do so much at the end of the day you're gonna need to listen to the thing um, for it for for you to actually gain some sort of um, some sort of clarity on where cars at. But, um, you know, even with that said, I think he does a, uh, Sheldon does a very um, bang-up job near the end uh, saying, uh, throughout Carl, talks of his obligations, pulling everybody up, reaching the youth, when rapping about giving back to his community, protecting, teaching and working, he has never sounded more certain of his purpose. And that just, um, you know, that just really rounds it off very nicely um, as an article itself um, of you know, just stating where if you... If you if you if you respect those morals then why wouldn't you give it a listen at least uh maybe musically it might not be for you um i know for me like just listening to something that's drumless is kind of jarring because you 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 do not you do, bro the, the amount of times we just don't even recognize you know a solid drum loop going on until it's just completely out of the mix freaks me the hell out it's so jarring <laughs> to, to, to it's so jarring to listen to um but obviously when you if you if you listen to like stuff like Carl or rock Mar- marciano then you get you get out of that um uh you get out of that uh that element pretty quickly and it's it's refreshing when you when you get out of that jarring period it is refreshing to to listen to something different of that nature and it really forces you to think about uh really forces you to listen to different elements of it because a lot of the time what are you bounce in your head to you bounce into the beat. You're bouncing to the drums, you know what I mean. So when there's nothing there, you need to find something else, and you just have that. It's like a smoker's itch, you know what I mean? When you just haven't had a, when you just haven't had one in a minute, you're just like, need a drum loop, need a drum loop, need to find something else. So it's (laughs) it's fascinating to, it's fascinating listening to something like that, albeit jarring, but refreshing once you get out of that uh, habit. How about the the title of the piece?
0: The last underground rapper Do you feel like
2: Do you want our definitions Of underground I mean well, You can take your <laughs> definitions Or you can
0: like kind of Talk about Like the last underground rapper Is like a, a Kind of a huge net to cast You know Yeah like, Do you feel yeah. like mm. There are many others Operating like <clears throat> This but What do you think <clears throat> these Is the Intentionality That separates like An underground rapper From someone who just Hasn't broken through yet
1: it's the yeah. push per because like there let's say there are a lot of independent guys right who are probably doing it who are probably doing very very well like someone who's independent but uh like you would say independent who's independent in every single way like makes their own CDs, has their own factory tech nine tech nine is you would know, independent independent but he's the underground no um like god no is he, is he like is he like a Tyler or like a Drake no but it's like if let's, let's say if you're listening yeah, to but rap, Tyler's
0: underground though, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mickey, you're a crowd.
1: It's if if you were like, yo, it's it's like if, if if like, let's say if you're listening to rap at all, and like, let's say if you got into rap in the like last decade and a half, you've probably heard of Tech Nine, you've at least heard of him. The only way you're probably gonna find Ka, and this is no disrespect to Ka at all, is like if you're probably through. Circles, or if you go on YouTube and you're like looking at certain channels, or, or you listen to us,
2: um, I don't nine, even so, know how I got to Descendants the Cane. I don't know how I found it. It was honestly. probably Ryan,
1: yeah. I guarantee it was probably Ryan, probably like a
0: retweet. <laughs> I don't know,
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe,
0: yeah, I don't
1: know. So it really depends, was that
0: your point? okay. But oh, no, I, I was no, yeah,
1: I was just like, it just really depends, right? When it comes to like the name underground, and on top of that, let's uh, when he was probably naming this uh article, what well, uh, it is. It is like, you know, a hook. It is like a really good hook. Like the last underground rapper, it's like you hear the last samurai yeah. and you're like, <laughs> and you're like, Tom Cruise. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like no, no. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's like, it's enticing too. And it's, and you can probably argue there's probably not a lot of guys who at least have the somewhat minor recognition that Ka has, but still had, but still doing what he does. Right?
2: Yeah. Um, I think two points I wanna make on that front is that, uh, <clears throat> firstly, um, on the underground front and just definitions of it, I feel like um, you know you made the you made the minor point just in in the start of that type T where like you said, uh, you know, is it you know some people just might be coming up and that's just that's just is what it is. So you know, and then what what do you class then as established? Like two years in, five years in, you know what I mean? So it 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 that obviously blurs stuff a bit. Um, On a history standpoint, obviously, you know, um, you know, when I think of underground, I always come, I always go back to like late 90s era where, you know, at the the top of the charts was like, you know, the Diddy's and uh, J's and stuff like that. And at the same time, there was like, you know, cypher sessions in the middle of Central Park where like Talib Kweli and Mos Def are just like rhyming. Um, At that point, it was also called backpack rap. But that was relatively underground. Like, um, there was a, there was a, I, I keep, ma- I keep trying to make this point, but I keep forgetting the name. But there's a place in LA around that same time. Um, there's an hip hop, there's an episode of Hip Hop Evolution that you should go, you guys go peep I don't ask what episode. <laughs> but, but they talk about like underground and backpack rap and stuff like that, and they mention like this place in LA. Where like they constantly hold like held like ciphers and it was very cutthroat. It was like um life of the Apollo kind of thing where like you know if you go there and you get booed you're over you're done get out. Um you know obviously a, a very notable example of that was when uh, Lauren Hill was at the Apollo when she was like I don't know 13 something like that, and she dropped her she was singing and everyone was like boo 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 boo. Yeah, you know, so but that's beside the point. But then like. Another conversation here that I f- I want to throw into the mix, not like as a more rhetorically anyway, just for sake of time. But if you have a thought on it, let me know. Um, is there's a there's an element of counterculture here, right? Um, where cars, you know, he his shit may be on Spotify, right, and whatever else that you can consider, you know, uh, that um he may have a twitter account i'm sure he does right i think i think he does anyway um he may have social media right but even with that said um you can make an argument that he's kind of like countering something um maybe not counterculture in its pure essence because in my mind there's no such thing as counterculture anymore it's kind of impossible to do to do so counterculture in my mind is like not being on social media and that's like the minimum, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and whatever you're doing. So, if you're like a graffiti artist, I think it's easy to be counterculture because you can do that, and then people are taking pictures of your shit, and then that's that's all that's all them, right? You're not doing that. You're just doing the you're just doing the art you feel like. Um, but it's hard to do that from a music front. Obviously, he's doing this thing where you know, obviously it mentioned in the article, you know, him packing his own CDs, sending them out, literally mailing out to his to his people. That's counterculture that's counterculture in some way right in my mind um but you know it can't be completely like that because it's just in, it's it's practically impossible if you know you have to get you have to do something on that front so um yeah um the the title is certainly provocative and uh you know it does evoke a certain conversation i feel like you know people uh that fits people like us in terms of having this conversation And uh, I would like it to continue on that front, because you know, when I think of underground, you know, I think of, I I even think of like, you know, uh, shout to my guy A One and Phonics, like they have their own record label, Don't Sleep, and you know, they're doing their thing. They got some good people there. They're doing some good music, right? Continually, Um, they got their own, you know, uh, vinyls going through. They do, they do CDs as well. You know, they do other stuff, Um, uh, merch, right? They do their own thing, enterprising, but um. Yeah, it's just interesting how that uh, all comes about in making that conversation what it is.
0: No, yeah. I think it's still a fascinating subject and still something that I think is really worth having. I don't think it's something that needs to be definitive. I don't think there's need there needs to be a specific line drawn. It's like, "Oh yeah, you've gone over 2000 followers, you know. Welcome to the mainstream." <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be anything like that. But I think like I always reference the open my eagle thing where he talks about how you just can't compare an album he makes to the album that kendrick makes with the amount of budget he got that kendrick gets compared to him being independent but yeah there's just a big distinction that needs to be made and i don't know i, I, I really like the conversation like the direction it goes in but yeah that's uh that's underground rapper by sheldon pierce for the new yorker Tyler,
1: what do you bring really uh, today? I am bringing the Vogue UK cover story: Adele Reborn. The British icon gets candid about divorce, body image, romance, and her self-redemption record.
2: Tyler's um, pandering because he didn't do the US one.
1: <laughs> Seriously, I it's and I did quid I, earlier? I did say quid. I'm trying. I'm trying to be like the boys. You did
2: as well. I thought I was the only one at the cocktail. I was like, did you say quid? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it here's the thing guys i'm just trying to fit in all right i'm trying to fit in with the cool kids that everyone loves that are you too <laughs> i'm
0: not gonna deny it but
1: carry on <laughs> um but yes i brought the, this cover story one because well first of all i wanted to bring an adele story because she was coming back i listened to a lot of adele my girlfriend listened to a lot of adele everyone a matter of fact everyone listened to adele for a while she was it and I wanted to find something that, like, got her. And, and apparently this was her first interview in five years. That's crazy. Five years ago, I was in college. <laughs> so, looking, and this is written by Giles Hattersley. Um, And some the first thing I wanted to, like, bring up about the article is, like, how it begins. Like, it's literally, it's. It's first, matter of fact, it's first two paragraphs, because that's where they're setting the stage of like, Adele is coming back, Adele it, and where they're meeting her and we're to do this interview. And then their first line, there is an art to being Adele. And I was like, huh, like that's okay. Okay, that's, that's how we're gonna start things off. And then, and through after that first line, it's going through this simple bio work that is its backstory um, for the artist, like you know, any good profile will do, or any or merely any potential profile will do. And then it says, and then it says it again at the end of the second paragraph after going through all that. And then it's like, and then it sinks in: this superstar of a human is here to welcome us with her presence once again. But once again, after doing that, we see not really through the writer, but through the interview itself, that Adele's like, "No, nah, babes, I'm just a regular human," <laughs> um, who's literally going through every single thing possible with her, you know, with her fame, her money, and everything of that nature. And it kind of like and and similar to what the Weekend article did um, that that we brought to the table like a, about a month or so ago, is it broke down the superstar. And more so than doing it in like the conversational style that that interview was, this was really letting her speak. And the fact that none of the quotes are from Giles. It's all the quote, everything that's in quotations is from her. And then Giles would, um, in between, he, he, matter of fact, he wouldn't even write the question that he quote unquote asked her per se. I
0: thought that was interesting, yeah.
1: It would, he would just insert his opinion kind of in between. Where she was like, where she would say, I'm not, she's like, I'm not really affected by that. And he, and he was like, I think she was. And I think that was interesting and kind of ballsy to do so. Cause she will read this too. And and he's like, she's like, oh, he disagreed with me. Like in the moment. And, or maybe, he, or maybe if he didn't agree with her in the moment in front of her, he did in the writing. So it's on wax. So I thought it was, excuse me, an interview that this just kind of, it was like, it starts out something that's like, Kinda of traditional, but then it breaks that through how they consider their opinion, how they let her express herself at times, and how candid it got. Well, what yeah, was I, think, well, I was gonna say, what was your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think the thing I appreciated like the most was that Giles kind of passes on the potential to be sensationalist here. Like it kind of taught me how a lot of how like if I ever got one, how I would handle an event interview, right, for first interview five years, how do you handle this? Uh, The way you handle it is that you don't push for a story, because everything she says is the story, you know, so what's important is how you represent her words in the piece, rather than having to push her down certain avenues, you know, I think the art, the, 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 um, the skill in this story is honestly less in the actual interview itself, but more in the the post interview and the whittling down what you need for the piece. I think that's where this piece really shines, because you can you can see so many other quotes that would have been twisted so badly by a different writer in a different publication. And he just he, he makes constant reference to the art and to her emotion to kind of offset that kind of sensationalist view someone could have in it, you know? Like this piece is really sad at points this piece gets really really sad and deals with a lot of darkness and and a pain on Adele's part you know she openly says like that I've had wounds I will not heal from in this last five years and that's insane and but that's so true to her life that's so true to the divorce that she's just gone through with a with a what a nine-year-old son or something
1: Mhm. Yeah, he's um, currently nine. Um, but if I'm, since they yeah. like, got the divorce like a few years ago, they was probably even younger at the time. Right.
0: Like- exactly. And like that's so much to bear, but you feel all of it in the piece, and it's not sensationalized. You know, when you take a step back and look at kind of like the TMZ lens of um, American, I mean, like celebrity um, divorce and like what I, what a, a pantomime that can be. But here, divorce is kind of represented as what it is, and it's just really sad. You know, it's just really sad. Um, I also kind of suspected the worst when I saw weight loss in the title and like, a body image in the title of the piece. I was like, oh man, I'm about to get like some problematic fat phobia in this, but yeah. it's handled. It's handled really uh, well, and he kind of just lets Adele speak on it rather than inserting himself at this point like he say he does insert himself at quite regularly but I think knowing when to take a back seat is important and I just love how Adele kind of just battered this away it's like it wasn't about weight loss like that's stupid don't even like immediately just threw it out the window and just said you know I was going through a lot my anxiety was insane I needed something to invest my energy in and it just happened to be exercise so, yeah, even those hurdles, I think the piece overcame really nicely, and yeah, just steering away from the sensationalist view that just would have been too easy to to fall into I mean,
1: you can' it's like most people do right It's like I think Giles even says like in the first few paragraph,s like, what are all these tabloid he even addresses He's like what are these tabloid things that I'm that could be said after um with this like what is she going to be like what's the weight loss going to be like what's the what's the divorce like like tabloid headlines that were just there and, he, and even though while, while once again while they kind of like put those things in the uh, um title they do it and then and almost like subverts um everyone's like actual expectations of what it's going to be from that title um i also want to say real quick before i get to, uh, charlie's opinion as well is like you were saying as as uh, too Ryan, Adele dropped some bars. Like it, I was like when quotes where I was like yo. That made me think about it as quick little personal thing as a child of divorce myself. It's the it's when she was speaking about the decisions um, uh, about uh, how it affects their children and what and how they're doing well. It was this simple line it's not bad decisions that fuck up our kids it's indecisions and that (laughs) hit me right in the heart i was like yo uh, i dealt with this yes song singer songwriter of the year right
2: yeah um as penny is actually I, i i honestly T, I thought you were copping out, picking this. I was just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, the 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 Adele profile. Oh, <laughs> God, you stuck your neck out, bro. Oh, my gosh. You, <laughs> you you look deep. You look deep in the archives, didn't you? you, you yeah, it's just there. Uh, but with respect, I take it all back because, honestly, this is actually just like... It's interesting you guys say that in terms of how unique a profile this is, in terms of how it's done um because i feel like th- this feels so natural to me when reading it um like you talk you mentioned all the tabloid stuff and it's like it, they get to that they get all of it they, they pretty mm-hmm. much cover every single possible base that y- anyone would want to uh have uh or, wanna, or want covered when it comes to adele and they get and they get there They but they get there naturally it's the fact that they don't go, you know, back and forth between it, and it comes off really chronologically, just like from point A to B. Let's talk about the music. Now let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, and it's just it just got to where it was getting to, and uh, it just got there. at such a excuse me. It's such a natural pace, and I just really, it really made the whole thing th- uh, flow very well. Um, on the point of just like uh, uh, his commentary after, just straight after a, cro- a quote. Um, I love that just element. I I uh, I love it. I if I ever attempted to profile somebody in that kind of fashion, I'd probably do that. I'll be, I, I I'd have to stick my opinion in there. <laughs> you know I mean, it's just, just have, <laughs> I just I just feel I feel I feel kin to Hattersley here. I feel akin to do that. Uh, but especially the bit where he uh where she where she lashes him a couple of tunes off the album, and she says something to the effect of um, you know, it's not a divorcey album. Uh, or the, these ain't divorcey songs, but then he just goes like they, they're kind of divorcey. <laughs> I, I love it. I I just I I love it. I love it. Like it's not it's not it's not. I don't I don't think it's blitting in her in that fashion, right? It's straight up his opinion, and I feel like it's done in a way where it's just like you know, he it, it it's it's a little bit of you know tongue in cheek right there. You know, what I mean, just like it, it's it's kind of it's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of divorcey, but that's fine. It's all good. Right? You know what I mean, you think it's a different way. It's all oh, it's a, it's a like interpretation. That's all. I, I, that's how. That's how I chalk it up to and listeners' interpretation, which is all good in my book. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just really, uh, the serious stuff comes across very, um, you know, very humanly. And uh, I think, I think someone like Adele is a very fascinating case study just in terms of how, in terms of just like you know the top harking back to our first uh, uh, segment, you know, talking about, you know, the 1% of the 1% in terms of artists and stuff like that. She's a very fascinating case study in this fashion of uh, how she lives, which is obviously very closeted um, and, you know, it's kind of her choice and, you know, I don't really, I don't personally seek to, you know, what Adele's eating, what, what, what were you eating for dinner tonight? Don't care. You know, I've never really cared about that uh, from, from, from most people, um, that I enjoy musically. <clears throat> but, you know, she comes across this, um, very just succinctly and very smartly. And she knows what she's saying. She's super self-aware and I really enjoy that, uh, how that comes across. And, uh, I, I just like nearer to the end where there, she's at the, uh, museum and, uh, she, and it's so, it's so weird. Like i I'd, I'd I'm not... Guys, I'm not into Adele that deep. I'm not. I'm really not. He's but a liar. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into Adele that deep. But when she comes... When Rich Paul comes through and she goes, Hi, darling. I literally just had it in my head of her just like waving in that Tottenham accent going, Hi, darling. You right Like, oh, it's so weird to me. I just... Oh, I don't know if that's just, you know, because it's close to home, but yeah it's just so it's so easy it's, it's so easy to just like visualize what's going on and uh, yeah I think that's just a, a cherry on top it's just the the visuals I get um you know the four seasons or the, this museum and then they're a basketball game which I've you know which people were guessing up about in NBA circles but I just I just love it I just love it so um yeah it's it's, it's wonderful Yeah, that's a really good point to make. It's like,
0: it does no need to be flowery or anything on this piece. You just kind of, it was almost akin to the Mark Sweeney piece, kind of told you straight up what was going on. And it, yeah, I really appreciated that it was so, um, just, yeah, just so real. There was no,
2: like, poetic, like, it was just. Yeah.
0: yeah it didn't need to be too much it, I was actually talking about this the other day Because me and my friend were both reading Dune <gasps> And we were talking about how like We aren't even Another sure what characters to look. look like <laughs> <laughs> Different podcast Yeah different podcast but um, Yeah we weren't even sure what characters look like because the writing is just so damn dense And we were like man we didn't want to watch The trailer for the movie but we kind of had to Just so we can kind of <laughs> visualise What was going on But yeah but this is kind of the antithesis of that where like he is telling a story he's telling about a journey throughout a day with Adele and you can just so vividly see everything that's going on and I kind of appreciate like the dichotomy of like her appearing to be very down to earth and everything she says and like her mannerisms and stuff but at the same time doing rent a fucking museum shit. <laughs> yeah like fuck yeah, like, what, what what
2: are we doing here what what are we doing here like, I mean, just... I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here wish, for it, honestly. It's I wish I just had that it's... money.
1: i, w- I okay. wish I had yeah. that money. Like and I don't it's it, it's something that uh Charlie said that I want to like bring up real quick. It's very conversational without it being a conversation like type of interview. I don't it's like and how he pulled that yeah. off, maybe just possibly through his quote um through her quotes and just like inserting the opinion. That was really cool because I do not i don't I'd never thought you could do a conversational type interview without it actually being showing the conversation.
2: Yeah, Giles Adele. No, it's not like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was interesting the way that that struck. Yeah, yeah, that's a really structurally inter- interesting thing that I haven't really seen done in most like profile type pieces. Is where he will kind of lay out. He'll have these sections where he gives you a question and answer, but within block paragraphs. And I haven't really seen that done before. And in theory, it should not work. I think um, Brandon actually worked on a piece where he wanted that kind of thing, where he would have he would exit the conversation for a while and talk and talk himself, and then go back into the conversation. And he had it where he had a paragraph of him talking, a few paragraphs of him talking, and then some actual transcript. And I did it similarly in my in my uh, Otis Mensa piece where I put in videos of him talking, but i don't know how giles manages to make it work and i probably need to read it again to make sure kind of understand why it's not jarring as to why he can just put in what she said duh, 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 i replied or i thought duh, 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 and then she and then putting her answer back again like it doesn't it doesn't seem like it would lend itself to a cohesive interview but it, he just pulls it off somehow I like, i need i need to i want to wanna say how. it's
1: probably because of like the narration he probably has in the beginning where you start off where it's basically his matter of fact yeah i think it is because he start because the narration of the whole entire thing at the very beginning it sounds like he's narrating the story and it's like the you know the omni what is the omni omnipresent point of view yep. omni, omnis- thank you um so it's like he's getting he's giving every single detail so like whenever he, he pulls back it's almost like it's the character speaking in the quotations and it's back to like the narrator again just in, with inner thought so maybe that's why it works. Because it started off that way, and then it go, and then it transitions into that.
2: Yeah, it's very uh, Shakespearean. It's like in fair four seasons where we lay our scene. So, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Any final points to make on that? So uh, Charlie can uh, run Ta- to it? <laughs> no,
2: shout out to you honestly because like I, I was I was shitting on this at the start, just like thinking, oh, here we go. He's he's picked the easy one, but like he's. Genuinely one of the best reads I've had this year. So um,
1: yeah, <laughs> shout out ninety
2: nine strikes again.
1: Gang, 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 gang.
0: Tyler is—I can tell how happy Tyler is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny
1: because he's not wrong.
2: Beaming. He's beaming. He's, he it says Tyler Jones on the screen, but he's beaming. He's beaming behind that screen. Bro. He's beaming behind that dead camera. All right.
0: So that was Adele Reborn, The British Icon Gets Candid About Divorce, Body Image, Romance and a Self-Redemption Record by Giles Hattersley for Vogue. Shout out to Sheldon Pierce from The New Yorker and Mark Sweeney from The Guardian for the other pieces we discussed today. And that about does it for this week's episode. So if you are an independent writer who is doing great work, but... I'm not quite sure how to get to that next level get your work recognised feel free to send it over to us at central underscore source on Twitter and yeah, if we like your work we'll give it a shout we'll discuss it on the uh, on the podcast because mm-hmm. it'll save me a lot of work I won't have to go look for an article it'll come to me instead <laughs> and that's great um, <laughs> always always give us a rate review if you like what we do follow all of us on our respective Twitters you can go through the central source Twitter for that and find us all and yeah, thank you for listening to them. Bye, darlings. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye, guys.
2: This episode of The Search of Source featured Brian Gore and Tyler Jones, Search Source Creative Collective, and me, Charizard of the Fifth Wing Podcast Network. The episode was edited by me, Music Fish Show. Fucked up by Barstee. Thanks for the chill for a bit to use. it has been a Central Source and Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Links for Barstee, chill Central Source, Fifth Element, and content cover of the episode can all be found in the full show notes below. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time as we continue our search for Source.